I'm taking care of sex business. That's your office theme song now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or I could do it in the key of Justin Timberlake, if you'd like. You know that one? Taking mm. care of sex I'ma have you naked by the end of the song. Don't be so quick to walk away. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 31. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And host number three, Corey. And like always, we are brought to you by the great people at escrowmybits.com. Like I say every episode, because we believe in this product, it is super easy, it's super fast, and it only takes three steps. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin, the seller ships the item, the buyer checks the goods and releases the funds, and they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So I'm talking euros, I'm talking yen, I'm talking Canadian money, USD, they got you covered. And they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain pegged to a fiat value using new bits. There's no complex math at the point of sale. New Bits is the world's first stable digital currency. So they charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. Your funds are kept in a secure two of a three multi-signature transaction where they hold only one of the keys and the rest are yours. Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. And their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. So we here at the Bitcoin Podcast, we want there to be no excuses on why not to use escrow. So to start the process, just go to their website and make sure you sign up for their newsletter to stay up to date. So that's escrowmybits.com. So I hope, I hope that doesn't this doesn't piss them off, but does anybody else think of the word scrotum when you hear the word escrow? Is that just me? Escrotum? I can't help it. I, every time I hear that word, the only word that th- I think about is scrotum. Maybe you've just got ball sacks on the brain. Yeah. So what he's saying is if you need to escrow some shit, use escrowmybits.com. Nice. Uh, do it because escrow is smart and you'll keep your money and it's safe. Yep, yep. So what's on the docket today? Well, the, I guess the the big thing is that uh, Inside Bitcoin, the conference in San Diego, just wrapped up. And the big news coming out of there is Patrick Byrne detailing the T0.com. And a few weeks back, we had Judd Bagley from Overstock to go over there, I guess, the, the specifics and then give us some insight. But now Patrick said that Overstock has the green light to actually trade crypto securities. And D, I think you kind of got excited and sent us the article 
uh, over Facebook when it, when that went up. So uh, I, I know you read you read that brief. Do you have any feedback? Oh man, I just got really excited about it because it's another one of those things we've discussed on the show many times is that it's just pumping value into the blockchain. It's the blockchain having a use case. You know, it, it's it's the Bitcoin blockchain specifically having a use case. Although he did say that they're open to use other blockchains. That's what he said. He even said it like a mafia boss. He was like, hey, uh, maybe we're going to use the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, maybe we're not. You know, it's really up to us. Really, we do what we want to do. But, you know, if he does use the Bitcoin blockchain, that's pumping a lot of value into it. Um, and I just got excited because I was like, wow, this is this is future money. This is some programmable money doing awesome future shit. And that's why I made the big Facebook post and then sent the article to you guys and was like, this is huge. Like such a stereotypical Bitcoiner would do. I don't know. It's it's since we are, we, I guess we've kind of been here since the beginning or I wouldn't call it the beginning, but we're still regular, relatively early adopters. It's cool to see new use cases and new things come online because I'm still excited about the technology. It's like, it's like, oh shit, they're doing this with it now and it's coming online and people are using it. That's awesome. Oh, they're doing this with it. It's coming online and other people are using it. That's awesome. It's, it's just, it's really cool to see all of the different people building things that are all completely different and not trying to step into, they're not stepping on each other's toes, all trying to do the same thing. And it's all still a part of Bitcoin. Yes, is that's incredibly exciting to me. I mean, we're witnessing the change of technology as it's happening, and it's really cool to see. It's what's the only uncool thing is like when I try and tell people in my regular life that aren't Bitcoiners about it. They're like, "Why do you even? What do you mean in regular like such, life? Yeah, it sounds like such boring shit." <laughs> so what uh they could put securities on the blockchain what, first what the fuck is a blockchain and i'm like uh i forgot you guys are regular well now you could tell them to just listen to episode 30 and yeah you know, um, i need a maybe if we had like business cards and i could throw them like gambit at people you could do that <laughs> business cards are pretty cheap nowadays you just order them hose on on whatever uh what's that you can order them online. They're Business shit. cards. Vista print. Vista oh, yeah. print. Hey, just give us money, Vista print. We're just yeah. saying. If I do get business cards, I'm throwing them like Gambit. There's no denying that. Like it's gonna happen. So we're, we're when like were you worried about pushback from the regulators uh, when we were talking with Judd Bagley when we were getting kind of the details, or not so much? Was I worried about pushback? I was worried because I thought maybe they would slow the technology down to let their like their client industries like Wall Street catch up, you know? I think one of the things that Andreas has said in the past, or, or not Andreas, just somebody important in the Bitcoin community said, is that regulators are slow to regulate. So by the time they want to do something, the, like Bitcoin moves so fast, you know, and... By the time the regulators get around to wanting to do something, Bitcoin will have probably already fixed it. Well, that's why they they try to slow it down so they can come up with their own version because they understand the pace of it is so quick. Oh, they're trying to Lex Luthor this shit? 
Well, yeah, they, they don't want to be under the thumb of Wall Street. You know what, what's happening is Wall Street is trying to slow it down so they can come up with their own version, kind of like how banks are using the blockchain technology. Also, you have a lot of companies that are interfacing with these these technologies that Bitcoin's using, and so and then these companies are making money, and then regulators are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, bro! Where'd you get that money, and how'd you get it? What is this blockchain business, Bitcoin stuff you're doing? You're gonna have to pay for that." Or and then they're like, "Wait, we don't know how to charge for this." And we don't know what to do about it, so we're just going to assume it's bad and you're a bad person. And since there is no rules, it's hard. It's, they have this gray area of businesses who are making a good, good amount of money, making legitimate services that are better than what is currently being offered, but they don't know how to pay their taxes or things like that. Um, regulators kind of suck. Yeah. You know, I would agree, but it's not their fault. You know, they're trying to regulate. Like they're literally paid to be party poopers. Do you think that they go to work listening to uh, the regulator song before they before they get into work? Oh yeah, always. Do, 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 Nate Dog. <laughs> regulator. Dude, I love that song. Mauna. If there's a person on this planet that doesn't love that song, I want to meet him. And tell them that they're stupid to their face. Yeah, if you don't like regulators, you can go fuck yourself. If yeah, you don't like regulators, awesome. you can just email us and <laughs> yeah. we'll come to your house and we'll tell you to your face that you're stupid. Yeah, you're, you're stupid for not liking that song. <laughs> and so, every, what's up? It is, it is my understanding that you have to use um, E-Trade or some financial service company. In order to use T zero, is that correct? Because I know D, you use E trade, don't you? I use E trade. Um, I don't think that you do have to. T zero is a totally different platform. I was in the impression. I am reading a quote. Go ahead. Uh, Patrick Burns says that we don't want AML and KYC obligations. I don't know what any of those acronyms. It means anti money laundering and know your customer. So he needs to use. Uh, a financial service company f- for now for those reasons okay. but what does that mean and like how deep does that go is that just they're affiliated with a company or do you need to have an account with e-trade before you can do anything inside t0 i mean if you just have an affiliation then people will say oh they're they're backed by by e-trade very much like um what's it called that one budgeting company is backed by intuit mint mint is backed by into it. Thank you, honey. <laughs> you should have said thank so you. Cool. Thank you, secretary. <laughs> Thanks, secretary. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe it's, it's that type of uh, agreement between the two companies, or is it like they're so intertwined that you can't even start to use T0 unless you have a fully-fledged trading account on E-Trade, which isn't that difficult anyway. Oh, yeah. A fully-fledged trading account in E-Trade takes like a day to set up. Oh, that's not true. It takes a couple of days to set up. You set it up, and then they call you. It's usually, uh, I'm going to get maybe a little insensitive here, it's usually a Indian person with a horrible English accent. And uh, they're very, very courteous. And then they do a little background check on you, and then you're good to go. So, they're like, yeah. 
what is next? Cello, if you... Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. You were just really quiet. Um, I don't know if you do have to have E-Trade to use T0. I'm not even using T0 yet. Honestly, I don't know how to. I mean, I'm excited <laughs> about it. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, what they're doing, uh, trying to disintermediate Wall Street. But a lot of things are trying to, you know, get Wall Street off of its fucking high horse. Trying to chop down those legs that, that Wall Street's standing on. So, I mean, it's exciting stuff. It's it's just more use cases for Bitcoin, more value being pumped into the system. And, it, and I don't mean value by, like, actual money. When I say value, I mean, like, value. I don't know how else to define that. Stop laughing. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know how else to define it. Like you, like, you place value in... I don't know the first game system you ever bought, right? It, when you de- when you depend on something for whatever service, when the backbone of how that service works yeah. is is the Bitcoin blockchain, then you have, you place a value in the Bitcoin blockchain. You trust it because yeah. you've built you've used it as a foundation to build on. You think that it's solid enough to build whatever thing you're trying to do on it. What's that? So that's word? placing value and and confidence inside the network. Yeah, confidence. and you're using it. Intrinsic. So, That's yeah. what we're looking for, right? When you have, when you say, if, for instance, if you have a giant company that is well known by everything, and their backbone is the Bitcoin blockchain, then you automatically, intrinsically, believe in the Bitcoin blockchain as well because you have trust in the company. And if you trust them, you trust their decisions, and their decisions are to build on this giant network. So you trust that as well. That puts value into the Bitcoin blockchain. Absolutely, and the more. Use cases, the more things that are using Bitcoin blockchain, the more confidence it gets and the better it gets, the more robust. And then you know how it is. Then the moon guy swoops in and he's like, we're going to the moon. Get your moon boots. And then you get your moon boots. You know, you know the show. I'm surprised no one's been selling those yet. Just for how often that phrase is used. We're going to the moon. Get your moon boots. I think somebody, someone's got to capitalize on that. I, mean, I always hear Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. We've landed on the moon. Every time <laughs> someone says that. We've landed on the moon. What? <laughs> um, so th- this episode is called uh, Off the Transparency Chain. And I don't want people to, to think about supply chain transparency and think it's the most boring thing on the planet. Because I did until I did some research. And it's some pretty... It's it's awesome. Tell so, us what you learned. If you, okay, so if you buy a hamburger, okay, we're at the receiving end of a supply chain that often stretches around the globe, and usually we don't think much about it, and it's a good thing. But sometimes it's important to know more. So taking a bite out of a burger involves a certain amount of trust. Okay, trust that the kitchen that made the burger is sanitary that the ingredients that went into it are fresh, and that the burger tastes good. And this trust is critical. So when blockchains track the movement of objects through the supply chain, they can also note how individual ingredients combine to form a newly manufactured item. And this provenance tree allows an end user to know exactly what went into the product, even if it has been through multiple manufacturing steps at different companies. So the blockchain can track what went into a product and who handled it along the way. So, did you just spend $50 using Carfax to figure out the history of the car? You got ripped off. 
If it, uh, is this shirt manufactured with child labor? Not sure if that eleven dollar organic cereal is certified organic. And if you're Did still your not, mother really give you a bracelet that was made by some Indian uh, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. or was it made by some giant manufacturer in India? Mm-hmm. That's both India. I don't know why it shows those words. Go keep going. <laughs> I, if you're not excited by what I'm saying, what I mean, what if I told you in the near future that thanks to the blockchain, imagine getting on a plane and your boarding pass comes with a cryptographically signed record of the manufacturer, the maintenance, the training, the operational records of the vehicle, and the staff you're trusting your life to. That I mean, it's it's pretty incredible what it can accomplish and and the limits that it can do are just insane so wait what if you get all that and then you see one of the guy's records and he's a fucking idiot and now you're scared for your life while you're on the plane well you have the choice i think the idiot would be would be fired by that time that's that's the kind of the 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 transparency that that it allows when you have a problem with someone and its origins, you can say, well, guess what? I'm not going to use this product because this person is a part of it. Or so imagine um, thinking about a brand. Like right currently we think about Nike, right? And we're like, Nike's like, just do it. And they have cool-ass commercials and they make cool products. Well, what if branding turned into something where you can say, this is how we make our product. And we have proof of it. We do this you know, ethically and so on and so forth. You can be like, I, I trust that because I can look at what you're saying. It's not just you coming up with shit that looks cool and then I can associate your name brand with that. It's I can see what you're doing and how you're doing things and I agree with it so I'm going to buy your product. Nice. I'm just saying like what if all this stuff, this futureness is awesome and provenance and you you pull up the the crew, the flight crew for the plane that you're about to get on and embark across the Pacific and – you see that the pilot's Facebook profile picture is Denzel Washington from Flight, that movie Flight. And you're like, oh, no, this guy's doing blow and drinking in the cockpit because he – What do you want that? Or well, would you, I'll yeah, tell you this and then you, and then you don't get on the flight and the blockchain just saved your life. Well, more, often, more than likely, you're going to research that flight company before you buy the ticket, and you're going to see all that shit beforehand. And it's going to say, don't go on this flight because this cat dad is a part of it. You're going to say, no, I'm not going to use that one. I'm going to find this other, this other airlines because they have really good reviews. I'm only using that app if it says, don't fly on this plane because this cat daddy's the captain. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm using So that you want to be app. ignorant. You want to be ignorant to the details. So you, I'm one of those maybe, guys you that... I'm one of those guys that when I when I fly, and I know I'm nitpicking on that one example that you used, but when I fly, and I know statistically it's safer than driving and it's the safest means of travel and all those things, but there's always that little nugget in me right as the wheels stop touching the ground that, oh, I'm in a heavier-than-air vehicle that's floating through the atmosphere, and if any one thing goes wrong too critically, I'm smashing so damn hard into the ground and you know there's always that little nugget of fear so then if i'm if i'm volunteering myself to float through the atmosphere then i also subscribe to a certain level of ignorance (laughs) because i don't i don't want to know then don't look that my pilot (laughs) yeah there we go just go look don't look it's fine i don't want to know that that my uh Captain, the captain of the plane's doing blow off of the 
the main stew's butt cheek. Anyway, supply chains to butt cheeks is a very odd transition, but back to supply chains. Sorry, that took a weird turn. So, Sorry, Jesse. Uh, Providence is building on both the Bitcoin and the Ethereum blockchains, and um, if you're not excited by that, then I don't even know what you're doing here. I'm very excited about it. So we got uh, we got Jesse Baker, who is a tech designer and engineer, who's kind of running up Providence, and she is a super busy person, but we got her. And uh, me and Corey tackled this one, and yep. it was awesome. So You double-dragoned it. Yeah. One thing that I would have liked to ask her is if Providence is going to be able to uh, prove to me how it is possible that Microsoft has the balls to charge $70 for a controller, for an yeah. Xbox One controller. Yeah. You'll be able to see where the microchips of that controller came from. Everything, man. I, I did ask her a question on your behalf because there's a, there's a mathematician that is the COO of the company, and I... I know that you are a math guy and you would give your left nut to work in the Bitcoin space. So I kind of asked her what the mathematician does at the company and, and to kind of give you a better idea of, mm-hmm. of if you did enter that space, what you could do. So you're welcome. Thanks, man. And you know what? I appreciate you for knowing me so well because that is the nut that I would sacrifice. Yeah, you're right. No one wants to give up the right nut. Absolutely not. It's closer to the body. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get into this interview. Here it is. You, you know, when I when I found out that this interview was kind of surrounded by supply chain transparency, I thought it was going to be a little boring, but it was actually like super exciting. Just the more I researched you, um, so I just wanted to say that because I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, this is kind of a, a dry topic. It, once you dig into it, it gets pretty, for me, it was really interesting the way things work. And uh, I think it's important to know where your things come from. Yeah, totally right. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me too, like I, I feel like the more I work on this, the more possibilities get flung open. Um, I mean, actually just today we just had a meeting with a quite famous fashion brand who we're talking about a concept store with like data coming into the concept store. And I was like, wow, okay, this is really now blowing my mind. (laughs) 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 So uh, is there any, is there any nerves uh, about putting your PhD on hold to, to grow this startup that I guess now has about 10 people on board? Uh, You know, like how did all of this start and how did your initiation of, of Bitcoin or the blockchain enter your world? Yeah. Um, well, so using blockchain for non-financial applications was something I definitely discovered during my PhD. Um, and kind of rightly so, I feel like it was still quite an ac- academic thing um, in 2013 and early 2014. It's amazing how quickly that has changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And uh, no, I think it was the right decision. I mean, I... I had quite a hellish year in 2014 where I was actually doing kind of both full-time, full-time PhD, full-time startup. Don't recommend nice. that to anybody. No. Ever. <laughs> Can't even imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of PhD had to move over for a bit. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a kind of an amazing journey 
And I think now I'm very much just in startup mode, uh, less kind of half PhD, half startup, which leads to a kind of mishmash of crazy innovation. <laughs> um, and it's starting to get a bit more real, which is, which is actually really fun. That's really cool. I mean, I, I think if, if, if you're like me, I, I got my PhD because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And if something like that would have come along, I'm like, well, see you later, PhD. I have something I want to do and I'm passionate about now. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, But at the same time, like, I I think I've also learned maybe the hard way how, how nascent blockchain technology still is. And there's still so much work to be done, so many problems to be solved where that I think needs a union of commercial and academia. I don't think, um, I don't think it's all going to be solved by industry. Cool. Well, I mean, that's really interesting. So uh, you mentioned the blockchain. What what benefits are reaped from a blockchain rather than if you use like an alternate data structure? Yeah, I mean, so good question. And I think a lot of what we're doing can be done on a normal data structure, but it would just be kind of highly compromised. Um, I think Provenance started as a social enterprise, and very much the social and environmental goals we have um, rely on on fundamentally being able to trust and access data. Um, and I think, yeah, the blockchain for me is just this, um, provided this kind of real missing piece of the puzzle for for supply chain transparency because it just. It, it's it's the it's the third party we always needed, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, it's the uh, uh, the guardian of the guarding, <laughs> whatever. I kind of think it's um, you've got fantastic people doing amazing work, certifiers, great brands and businesses, NGOs, but trans- transporting that information around the world and and having it flow is is so difficult with with existing data structures that have system admins and. And have uh, abilities to be compromised. I, I think the blockchain just gives you that great kind of guardian layer that um, can really help all of these different organisations talk together, um, and 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 just bring that that information um, along the chain like it was just never before possible. So, uh, on top of that, like uh, the way you, the way you, you say it is, as I understand it, provenance is essentially a blockchain based web of certification. Uh, yeah. you kind of, you, in one of your talks, you put it as an impartial data handler that sits on yeah. top of traditional data storage. And mm-hmm. so then you provide a framework to combine that data and track it to give a story f- that moves along the supply chain. Is this, exactly. is this essentially the right way of thinking about this? That's exactly the right way. Yeah, that's exactly what we are. I mean, we, we're not even gathering that much type data either. We, we just care about um, the uh, consumer-facing transparency, so very much like key indicators to consumers at the point of sale. So, we're, yeah, we're gathering quite kind of crude, simple bits of data like location and owner um, and, and certification, a very important aspect. Um, and, yeah, giving it that digital dimension and allowing it to flow exactly. Okay, so what happens if that data moves or is tampered with? Does the blockchain track that as well? Like, who holds the data? Are, are you just the, you just care about the certification of the data, or are you holding the data as well? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so it depends what data you're talking about. We are holding a bit of the data, actually. Yeah. So, so particularly at origin at supply chain, there's actually not much um, 
digital information being held anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in that instance, we're actually, um, yeah, we've, we've kind of built an application and are, are helping gather that data and, and are holding that data um, and providing, um, you know, a, a, a timestamp and, and hash onto the blockchain of the, of the specific bits that are important, like uh, who the user is and uh, where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we're looking more and more at working with, ex- you know, existing methods of holding information, such as certifiers have large databases um, that contain the information of the uh, who's complied to what standards. And we don't massively see there being a problem with them continuing to hold that data as long as there is a trustworthy um, record of it uh, on the blockchain, something that can be linked to that um, can't be tampered with. Okay. I think that's important. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, switching kind of the, the sides of it, uh, present day, it seems that, you know, corporate supply chains practices are, are attracting a lot of legal, regulatory, and consumer scrutiny. What, what can you tell us about um, understanding and building supply chain transparency that, that aids this kind of scrutiny, consumer scrutiny? Yeah, I mean, so... Regulation is really on our side, for sure, um, in terms of trying to build in more transparency. I mean, in the UK, for example, we've just um, passed the Modern Slavery Act, which means CEOs of companies could effectively go to jail if there is slavery found in their extended supply chain, Hmm. which is, I mean, pretty interesting. Um, (laughs) It becomes quite a real threat. So that is uh, really kind of um, getting a rocket under some companies to start to think seriously about um, implementing effective methods for traceability in their supply chains, Um, whether that's just internal facing or or public is up to them. Um, We are, I guess, Providence is is positioned itself, sure, to help help businesses with internal transparency, but we're also really keen on external transparency. Our kind of wider mission is is around... um, a new movement for companies to use their real supply chains as their marketing campaigns um, and, and building kind of open, honest um, brand stories that aren't just concocted um, by advertising agencies. So we find ourselves um, being more aligned and working a lot more with uh, smaller brands um, that are adopting this approach from the get-go rather than necessarily larger brands that are having to retrofit this because they're terrified by regulation. Um, And yeah, I mean, quite frankly, the different people have reached out to us, the the companies that really want to use transparency as their unique selling point is um, is just super inspiring. And and we just help them strengthen and prove that information, which um, we hope will, will make them stand out further in crowded marketplaces. Yeah, so if you're wondering how a, like a brand can build trust through transparency, I mean, that's it right there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. But it's, it's a new movement, you know. It's like it's not uh, – yeah, it's, I, th- I think we're, we're really kind of um, riding this new wave. It's really fueled by, I, I think, a, a rise in smarter, uh, switched-on consumers that don't just want to buy into um, – at the claim of something being handmade or local, they they want to know it. They want to know a bit more. So if so, if I dig a little bit deeper, I've, I've learned that you're not using or you're not pegging yourself to using a single blockchain, and you currently use multiple. 
and you use Bitcoin to issue tokens for things that are uh, relatively static. And Ethereum uses or will issue smart contracts or things that rapidly change over time. Uh, Could you explain this just a tiny bit? Sure, yeah. So we have done some work on the Bitcoin blockchain um, and certainly for the chain of custody work uh, we've done. Um, it, it proves to be effective in terms of transferring a digital token that represents the provenance of that item, for example, a certification. Um, but it, it gets quite limited quite quickly. Um, I think, I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> about you guys, but the whole vision of Ethereum completely uh, captured me. I feel like it is it's painting an amazing future for what could be done with this technology and and that to me was something to definitely uh to definitely be part of and, and provenance has been a firm part of the ethereum ecosystem since since day one really um but I think it's uh and and smart contracts for me present the perfect way in which to form consensus around information in supply chains like sure, I can make a claim that this item is organic and and have that claim cascade down the chain. But in order to really form consensus and to um, store information about the standards that 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 organic label represents, that you need a smart contract. You need something that um, can help provide that relationship between more than just uh, two parties. Um, So, and and that's, that's the work we've been doing on, on Ethereum is is looking at um, those relationships for confirming information but also looking at other things like um, transforming uh, IDs. So if you go from grapes to a bottle of wine, there's a transformation step, uh, which can also be done through a smart contract. Um, I'd say we're working across both, uh, mainly just because it's it's so early days still for the technology. Um, I think there's a, there's a long way to go. There's a lot more to build and fantastic groups of developers that are, that are really on that. But our, our core competency is not um, innovating in exactly how blockchain technology works. It's um, applying it. So that's why we're trying to kind of keep our options open and make sure we um, we are, yeah, using the best technology for, for the problem we're solving. I like that. I like that. So as it stands right now, is a, is a company's desire to be more transparent strictly voluntary? So if, if a firm that doesn't want to participate – it won't. So are you, are you trying to convince companies or are you simply just aiding those that are willing uh, and, and come to your doorsteps? Yeah, we're, we're aiding those that are willing. Um, at the moment, yeah, we've no desire to be the WikiLeaks of supply chains, <laughs> but um, I think there are a few others that are, that are on that, so it's okay, <laughs> which only helps us really. Um, no, we're just helping the willing and that, and that um, is, is usually slightly smaller companies that have perhaps set up with with uh, social, environmental, sustainability, and, and traceability in their kind of core DNA, um, but yeah, willing to work with larger companies that want to want to make that change too. Um, and yeah, we're very much about um, using this as a voluntary method of, of marketing your products um, rather than something. Yeah, we we hope we won't need to uh, be um, knocking down people's doors. <laughs> So you have you have small companies or, or even sometimes large companies wanting to become more transparent than using your application, and they do that through a, almost a layer of certifiers that you employ, which gives certain cert- certifications or you know this is 
you know, organic, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. So doesn't that put you kind of at the mercy of the certifier? And what happens if that certifier becomes sketchy? How does, how could you know? And is this a possible weakness of providence? Yeah, no, great question. Yeah, no, so certifiers are, are important allies for us. Um, firstly, they're, they're there in the field, um, or their auditors are, so they can help us with the registration process. Um, I don't think provenance works very well unless you can trust that the person that is uh, adding products or sharing information is, is really who they say they are. So certifiers are a key ally in that. Um, they're also a key ally in, in, yeah, tra- in transferring data that's meaningful, so setting standards um, and showing compliance to those standards, which is still one of the most effective methods of um, ensuring something uh, is sustainable for, for uh, one reason or another. Um, I think, yeah, we, we've been quite careful to select, to select the standards we are kind of piloting with. Um, but a, a big thing is that the standard is also contained in the blockchain, in, in the smart contracts. So a little bit, um, I'd say provenance's role isn't necessarily to decide what's good or bad. Our role is to just make the data available and, and transparent and trusted. Um, and that might be that perhaps the standard isn't that good, but at least people will be able to see that and um, have that the information about why or why not that company meets that standard available in, a, in an accessible format. Um, I mean, we're seeing lots of new standards emerging, and I think digitizing this process will, will only help um, in terms of ensuring that that they these standards are meaningful, adopted, and and kind of actually helping companies. Oh, okay, that's oh, really interesting. So, if it, even if a certifier may not you know be a quality certifier, it allows it. Providence provides a mean to root out all of the products yeah. in which they stamp. Exactly, and I, I mean eventually it will be interesting for us to think about. Um, you know, releasing or, or developing a, a, some kind of reputation layer for those um, certifications so that people can see um, effectiveness as well. Right. But what, right. one, one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, you, have a, you have a long, bright future ahead of you and what this can possibly become. And it, it's already very interesting. Cool. Yeah, cool. So our, uh, our other host of the show who, who actually couldn't make it to this interview – uh, he carries a uh, he carries a bachelor's in mathematics, and I think he would trade in his current job to to work for a like a blockchain Bitcoin related company for two bucks an hour. I'm sure. So he was he wanted to know uh, kind of the role of uh, the mathematician who's the CEO of Providence, kind of like the day to day duties, and uh, you, you know, kind of how she aids uh, kind of your movement a little bit. Um. Yeah. Well, what what do I get up to every day? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've spent quite a lot of my time um, trying to articulate what we do. I know that that sounds kind of pathetic, doesn't it? But actually, um, especially coming out of a PhD, uh, where you're kind of allowed to have like um, complexity, I think in startup world, um, complexity is really the enemy. And ultimately, we're trying to create something simple and usable um, that can scale. And yeah, so it's, it's been a lot of my time is, is communication and um, making the technology and what we do understandable to, to our clients. Um, yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time fundraising this year as well. Um, definitely can't build a business with a, without any gas. So yeah, we, that's, that's a large percentage of my time. Um, we're lucky to um, have funding mainly from grant bodies, um, 
but yeah, that requires very vigorous reporting um, and setting social and environmental sustainability standards for ourselves as a, as a business as well. Um, that's a large amount of my time. Um, yeah, I'm also, you know, kind of a glorified secretary. We get lots of emails. <laughs> so I spend a lot of my time <laughs> trying to uh, weed out um, who to talk to and when. Really, I mean, really, my love is in product and, and digital design, and, and I'm kind of the, still the sole designer at Provenance, so um, definitely spend a lot of my evenings doing that. <laughs> right. So it's mostly, you know, you're kind of wearing a lot of hats at the same time, but in terms of the face of the company, you're more along the lines of uh, an educator trying to break down the complexity into something that people can digest and understand. I mean, definitely. I mean, on two fronts, like firstly, the transparency movement, I think it's already taking off for sure, but still people are, I I feel it for me, like the kind of conscious consumer transparency movement is kind of coming after the green movement and it's different. It's got different, um, kind of different characteristics and and still requires quite a lot of, uh, explaining and, um, it's still gathering momentum. So that's a, a big part. And then the other part is, is, educating about the blockchain and what it can do um and how it can interface with open data and um, other initiatives and yeah i mean that's that's still at the beginning i pretty much daily get uh, some kind of user or brand um, tell me something negative about bitcoin <laughs> like oh that thing that powered the silk road like no yeah. <laughs> we still here we still here no <laughs> well, i'm gonna so, ask you uh, to just to sum it up um it, it, so there is a mathematician on the team i think uh judah steiner does, does yeah, she yeah. use like math to kind of i guess uh, i guess help companies out kind of solve the problems that you do Oh, well, she's definitely helping us out solve the problems we have. I mean, there's definitely a, um, yeah, I mean, often like designing uh, systems on blockchains is is a kind of like highly mathematical problem in a way. Yeah, um, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a whole new kind of, of, of system and having, you know, a proficient mathematician as an information architect is no, uh, no small thing. I can, yeah, <laughs> that's a tall order. So, uh, Jesse, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Uh, this, this might seem like an easy question, but I, I, we, we trip people up. Um, and especially the, smart, the smarter you are, I think the harder people have with this question. And that's in, uh, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Oh, gosh. Um, hard. 10 words or less. Um, what is Bitcoin? <laughs> I think in ten words or less, Bitcoin is freedom. <laughs> okay, you you definitely have had the most succinct uh, succinct answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you can pretty much take that wherever you want to go. I like that. <laughs> Three words or less. Yeah, difficult, really hard. Um, yeah, I, I I I think I mean I yeah. I, you should ask me this in advance. I would have prepared my perfect. That's the point. It's a big thing for me. I, I think that's that's very important. Um, peer-to-peer, decentralized, those aspects are very important. Um, yeah, extra- I think for me it's peer-to-peer, decentralized exchange of value that is free and open. That's, probably hey, that's my one. <laughs> 
All right. We've had, we've had a couple of PhDs in the show that just went on for, and gave us a, a, a dissertation on, on why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you um, didn't hit the 10 word limit, but it was definitely a good answer. I try, try and be, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could definitely do that also. <laughs> whole like dinner table discussions on like, what really is it like fundamentally? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also an opportunity, isn't it? It's an amazing opportunity to, to do. Yeah. I, I just, I think that's why I'm so passionate about it and why I love talking to people that are outside of the space about it because I just think the real potential for it is maybe not even being realized yet. Yeah, and you see their wheels turning when they start to kind of get a small grasp on it and you're like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, uh, so is there anything else you'd like to plug or give a shout out to anybody? Um, ooh, shout outs, huh? Um, no, I mean, just... Follow follow along with what what we're up to. We're, we're definitely interested in in having feedback and thoughts. We're a very open company on the whole. Uh, I guess when you do uh, transparency as your kind of core purpose, you uh, tend to be a bit more open. Um, so yeah, we, we really uh, we released a white paper a few weeks ago. We, we'd love feedback on that. Trying to make it as uh, easy to understand as possible. So please write to us and say paragraph five is unreadable, and we'll uh, we'll update it. <laughs> we'll share that with our readers. Great, thanks. And that was the interview with Jesse Baker from Providence. She introduced us to the idea of being able to track a product from its inception. And all of the things that make that thing, where they come from, who touched them, who handled them, were they reliable people, were they children from an island in the Pacific? Do they meet standards of of certain like quality of item? Are they organic? Did they meet the organic standard? Absolutely. It's one of those companies that like ends up being something that you see on the on the packaging of everything and you're like what is that why is it on everything it's going to be a little provenance sticker that says this item is on the provenance blockchain or or however it's going to look so you can have you know did you guys know that swedish fish are gluten-free i did not (laughs) this might be the most boring thing that i've ever been excited about yeah wait what what's going on no, like, it's, it's no, it's like it's nowadays you see gluten free on everything, and it's like so what? It means nothing to me now. It, you know, it it doesn't matter. But it, when you know, when you can trust that a certain label gets on a package because it has standards, and it it's not just someone who something something that someone just puts on a package because people want to hear that, then you'll care about the product a lot more. Nowadays, you see like if everything has gluten free on it, and it's like no shit, salt is gluten free. It's salt. <laughs> but with something like this you you have to have you have to meet certain standards to get to a certain thing and it it's not going to have the stamp on it unless it's necessary or or, or viable for that particular product and you can look yeah, back like, and see where that's coming from it's like saying like uh my double cheeseburger doesn't have msg in it or you're like well yeah <laughs> it's just selling points it's just marketing but yeah. now we can now we can actually know. So that's I don't know. Well, that's I, exciting. I think the, I think the most thing that I'm excited about this product is that the way companies will change the way they brand themselves. 
based on the abilities to use this technology to allow people to see where their product come from comes from and how it's made. So that like right like think about you know the the I guess the canonical example is a coffee company, right? Every new coffee company is like we build our beans from uh, a a nice farmer in the middle of some country that you have no idea about. It's fair trade and etc. And you don't even know if coffee's produced here, but that's where we get our coffee beans. Uh, this is how we make our coffee. That's like the kind of the the hipster idea of getting coffee. And now you can be like, oh yeah, let me see it. And you can see the people who are actually farming the coffee, where those trade hands, who's roasting the beans, how how often, how soon those beans get from the roaster to the company who's selling the beans, et cetera, and all that nonsense. And you don't have to care what the company's saying. You just look at the transaction of the raw materials to the end product and be like, okay, I like this story. I don't like your brand because this is how you're doing things. So companies, it behooves them to play on their story and do things ethically so that people can see it and believe in them as opposed to them just making up a story and doing whatever the hell they want to in the background. Absolutely. And then it allows the opportunity for you to say to a confident company, you could say, hey, I don't like the way you're roasting my beans. I don't like that. Yeah, that'd be fun to say. I want to say that to somebody one day, actually. Hell yeah, it would be. <laughs> you ain't roasting my beans right, baby. All right, let's <laughs> talk about uh, mass adoption, uh, because that's pretty important. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. We Is say it at the right? beginning of every show, and I notice that we never really talk about it. We never talk about it. So, <laughs> on episode 31, I thought we'd finally talk about it. Uh, so, I, I did a little research... And uh, did you guys know that it took 30 years for credit cards to be used by 50% of households? I actually did know that. Oh, okay. Well, did you know? I got more. So (laughs) did you know that mass adoption occurred in the late 80s when credit card companies began offering rewards and points? And about 76% of credit card holders receive rewards on at least one card today. So how do we make mainstream consumers care about blockchain currencies is the Airbits 20% Starbucks deal that you tried to sell me on, is that like a step in the right direction? Absolutely. And I asked you to buy me Starbucks, to which you said no. So there's there's no there's no mass adoption between you and I. You can get your own damn Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, but I like to see it in action. But, he just wants you to uh, pay put, for it. Put yourself in action. Just get the Airbits wallet and make it happen, Captain. One, it's I'm just like strangers pay it forward. Strangers pay it forward in the drive-through, and a guy I've known since I was six will not buy me Starbucks. Okay, yeah, you know what? He's we'll get... sell you on shit, and you're a host of a, the Bitcoin podcast. And you're... <laughs> okay, fine. You know what? We'll go to Starbucks tomorrow. I'll get an americano. I'll get you whatever you get, and we'll pay. We'll use the fold app, and I'll pay with my Airbits, and we'll make it happen. And that's a small should, step for mass. You know what we should do? We should just make a video of us doing the air bits recording and then us going spending our shift card. I got one of the shift cards too. And then we should have an awkward conversation with a, like a teenage cashier. Oh my and god. She's, yeah, just like <laughs> Hey, I just pay with Bitcoin. She's like, eh, what? You did what? <laughs> it's like, oh, Bitcoin, it's new internet money. Oh, cool. Here's your receipt. Have a nice day. That's how that would go. So, 
But anyways, we'll do that. We'll go to Airbits on my phone. I'll get you some coffee and show you. But there I am going off topic. What you were talking about is the incentives uh, that companies need to offer consumers for paying in Bitcoin. And that's going to happen. The only thing that's keeping that from happening is that merchants aren't seeing a store of value in Bitcoin that they can trust. Yeah, but so, do you do you think that the the way credit cards were mass adopted is does do we need to follow that exact formula for like shift cards and Airbits? Well, and- the the thing about Bitcoin that's awesome is that it's following it's not following formulas, it's making them. Mhm. And so Wah. it's <laughs> So it's going to it's going to have so many use cases in so many different areas that you know, the value is just going to be pouring in from different avenues. But from a consumer standpoint, the mass adoption, yeah, I think why not? If it ain't broken, don't try to fix it. I believe it was Sir William Smith that said that in the timeless track, <laughs> Summertime. Summer, summertime. If it ain't broken, don't try to fix it. That's what he said. And so... Why not give a consumer a discount for using a thing that saves you heartache and, and toil and trouble in the future? But the thing is, is they're not going to start giving that until Bitcoin has, you know, a steady store of value. It isn't so volatile. Um, and it has been historically the least volatile that I think it's ever been um, this year. But at the same time, it, it, it needs a lot more market cap. To kind of wade off those huge swings, so for sure, Bitcoin is getting boring, which is a good thing. I don't think it's getting boring at all. Well, of course, Corey, because we're up there in it. We're in the Bitcoin. No, scene, it's getting to the point bro. now where I can I can tell people how to use it. I can be like, okay, well, you know, just sign up for Coinbase app and get some Bitcoin for you, and then I, here's how you can use it now. You can you could buy shit with this. It's not you're going to sit on it and say, oh, it's going to make me money in ten years. You can use it. And I can tell normal people how to use it. That is it's, true. It's it's not boring anymore, and a lot, and it's not boring because every week a new company comes out and says, "We've created this app that does this one thing that's different than everything else that's ever happened before." And mm-hmm. this is how you use it. And all these use cases are coming out, and these giant companies are putting a lot of money and, and hard work into creating these these on ramps to Bitcoin, and they're coming online nowadays, and it's all happening. Within like this past five months have been incredibly uh, uh, transformative. The next year is going to be even more so, and the and the and the acceleration of this stuff is only going to get more and more and more and more. To say it's boring is is I think just ridiculous. I apologize. Yeah, I won't say that anymore. I accept your apology. <laughs> you accepted it so <laughs> abrasively. I'll take that motherfucking apology. Oh, my apology, son. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it's you're you're right. It's it's definitely not boring. It's as exciting as ever. It's, it's not, ever been. It's, it's boring it's, in the fact that things aren't things aren't like it's it's not like you know Mount Gox. It's this is the way shit should happen. This is the yeah. way technology happens, and 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 we're on that slow and steady incline. It's just I think this time it's, it's opposed to well you know take the always used example of the internet of the incline of usage. The incline of Bitcoin is much, much steeper because people are already aware of transform- transformative technology and 
because of the internet and you can spread the word much, much faster nowadays. So things are going to be used more quickly, more often with Bitcoin. And we're seeing that now. I just, I'm, I'm starting to see a time when banks, the idea of a bank is such a, like a foreign thought that I, I almost see them having to market themselves so hard to change their name even because it's getting to a point. banks is going to be different than what, yeah. we're, we're, than what we grew up with. What are they going to call themselves? Financial technicians? Like, what do they call themselves? Because it's getting to a point now where almost everyone is going to know, like, dude, we know you don't have giant yeah, stacks yeah. They'll of be cash. Called, they'll be called banks, but people won't think of a bank the way we think of, we grew up thinking of them. Like a vault where you go yeah. and, like, people are trying to rob it that look like George Clooney. Like, that that whole idea that's going to be gone that that they're not going to make that you can't make oceans 11 in 2030 it like, that, that, really, that's not going to happen it'd be really boring it'd just be a guy on a computer like wait you know it, there's you know there's a viet i think it's a vietnamese or a north korean or a south korean film that's the oceans 11 um but they're robbing bitcoin you seen the trailer for that i, I have had no idea that existed yeah i'll thing. I'll, I'll share the trailer with you it's uh it, it just came out put it and, on the show notes Okay, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch that. Is it? Is all the language in whatever language you said of those different countries you mentioned? Vietnamese. I, I think it's a South Korean movie. It, it's not Vietnamese. Sorry, it is South Korean, and um, uh, it, it has subtitles. Oh, okay. I'm cool with that. All right. Um, all right, hey, guys. Uh, are we gonna follow up on the thing. Make It Rain app? No. Okay. Uh, I mean, we could. Hey, if there's an interest, let us know. That shouldn't be too hard to make. <laughs> we could make it. Just let us know. Okay, if someone tells us they want it, they want it, then we'll make it. We'll go with that. Make it rain. <laughs> so get on Zapchain. Tell us about it. Heck yeah. So should we wind this down? Yeah, I just want to say if you're in Texas, the um, the first Bitcoin ATM in the North Dallas market is installed near the intersection of Interstate 635 and the Dallas North Tollway. So Ooh, that- I'll be there, actually. Cool. Uh, use that. Take a picture with a Corey so we can put it on the website and legitimize our shit. It's going to be in March, so you have to wait a little while. Okay. All right. Plug our shit. Um, let's get out of here. So let's plug it. Plug away. Twitter at the BTC podcast. Uh, Marcello runs Twitter. He does it well. He'll engage with you unless you say something stupid. Then he'll ignore the shit out of no, you. No, he'll just engage you, but in a negative way, and you'll feel bad about yourself. That's true. Don't try to troll Marcello. <laughs> I'm warning you now. You don't want to do that. Um, our website, of course, BitcoinPodcast.com. Uh, we are on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. Something we haven't said in a long time is go and leave us five-star ratings on these things. Okay? We're going to keep pushing forward five-star content. Then you guys hook us up with five-star ratings so that when people search for awesomeness, the Bitcoin podcast shows up. And like I said before, if you're thinking about leaving us a four-star rating, you can fuck off. Okay? Um, Special thanks to uh, Nathan Wozniak, uh, Equibit, Ubiquity, Saucier, and Chris Horlocker. The whole gang over there. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. That's for next week, though. No, it's not. What are you talking about? Uh, we got Tony Sakish uh, oh, next Sakish. week. I just wanted to give him a shout out. 
That's Sackage, true. Tony Swish. I just wanted to shout them out because they're just they're good friends of the podcast and uh, they're cool people. Absolutely, to that. I shout agree out with to that. I also Six like to say Christian Saucier because it's just a really cool name and it and makes my name not so cool. So you know we're gonna meet up with them in March. They're coming down for South by and um, word. Yeah, and and Corey's here in March too. So maybe we Whoa. can just uh, get a whole what? whole group Man. thing going on. We're gonna need a montage clip and some background dubstep music to make a video. Anyways, uh, let's see what else do we need to plug? Um, Hop on Zapchain. Yes, talk to us. We'll give you bits for it. Zapchain.com slash z slash just two guys. I'll say that one more time. Zapchain.com slash z slash just two guys. And you can talk to us. Like you can ask us questions and we'll answer them and then we'll tip you in bits. Yeah, some guys. Some guy just said that he uh, wanted to talk MMA with us. Absolutely. It doesn't even have to be about Bitcoin. Just reach out. I think his name is James. Uh, He comments a lot. Me and him talk pretty frequently on there. Um, Yeah. Uh, Ask us questions. We'll answer them. We'll give you bits. Here's the thing. Bits aren't worth a lot right now. But what if Bitcoin goes to the moon or even to Mars? Then Bitcoin's bits are going to be worth a lot. So all that time you spent in the community hanging out. You would have collected all these bits that were worth some moolah, some fetty, some cheddar. So, does anybody have any other word for money that mm-hmm. I missed out? Uh, so nope. broccoli. Broccoli. That, no, huh? Yeah, you haven't heard that, broccoli before? Give me that broccoli. Never heard that. Never heard that. Um, other than that, I think Facebook, yeah. Facebook. That's enough plugging. We done? Merry yeah. Christmas, everybody. Oh, yeah. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas, Mahana Quantica to everybody out there. The Bitcoin Podcast makes a great gift for your loved ones. So, <laughs> wrap, wrap us up and give it to people. All right. Play the outro. Play the outro.